What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Prime Sports Podcast. I'm Steve Marquez, and here I have my co-hosts, Blake, Elijah, and Tony Sutton for our ninth episode of the season. And guys, we had an extremely wild and crazy, even historic weekend this past week. We had three Saturday games, and then we had our four Slater games on Sunday. And most notably, we're going to go ahead and get started with the biggest news of this week. And the one we really want to focus on here is the Jalen Hurts injury before we dive into all the crazy action from this past weekend. Um, Blake, I believe Jalen Hurts sustained a shoulder injury. What do you think of that injury? Do you think we see Gardner Minshew this upcoming week? And how does that affect the Eagles possibly maintaining that one seed because they have a matchup against the Cowboys this coming weekend. That's pretty crucial. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a little weird and shocking how it kind of was sprung up on everyone about that shoulder injury. Um, He never missed a snap last week. He played every single down and he didn't look bad. I mean, he threw for 300 something yards still, even though he had a shoulder injury. Um, so it was a little shocking when they said that he was doubtful at the moment for the Cowboys game. Um, I do think they're going to end up going with Gardner Minshew just to be on the safe side. They don't want to injure Jalen Hurts going into the playoffs. So I do think they're going to go with Gardner Minshew. And I do think there's a good chance that Gardner Minshew can come in and play ready, be be ready, jump in and and do some things. I mean, he has experience with coming off and starting for injured quarterbacks back with Jacksonville. He did it twice last year with the, with the uh, Eagles. So I think they're at least going to give Cowboys a run for their money, for sure. Yeah, Tony, do you think uh, Jalen Hurts' shoulder injury, if it is something that keeps him out from playing this weekend against the Cowboys, do you think that's something they should maybe consider shutting him down for – the rest of the season and letting him get healthy? Or do you think as soon as he's healthy, he needs to come back and hopefully lock up that one seed? I think the answer is somewhere in the middle. Um, they should probably just take him week by week, evaluate him, see how much he can practice, see how he's doing. Um, I'm sure Jalen Hurts wants to go out there and play as many games and as many snaps as possible. Um, and I do think that this potential week off, is mostly preventative. I don't think he's so injured to the point where he can't play. They just don't want him to get to that point. So, you know, I, I think it's, you know, better to be safe. But, you know, obviously if it if it comes down to one game where you need, you know, to, a win to lock up the one seed, you know, this coming game here with the Cowboys is important for the playoff picture going forward in the NFC. So if it comes down to you need one game from him, I'd say play him. But if you don't need the games, if Gardner Minshew is at least being competitive going out there, I think that it would be smart to shut him down for most of the remaining of the season. Just depends on how it's looking week to week. Yeah, they they finished this season playing, like we mentioned, the Cowboys uh, this coming week and then the Saints and the Giants. So I I think if they beat Dallas – then I think there's a good possibility they maybe sit Jalen those last two games if they can lock up that one seed. But if they lose it, yeah, it kind of brings up that if they lose that game against Dallas and he's not able to play, it kind of brings up that question of should he come back and 
you know, risk the potential of getting injured even more or again just to lock up that one seed or not. So it'll be interesting to see how they play how they played and if see if he actually plays this week because he's been a lot of people's MVP offensive player of the year uh candidates and it's a pretty significant injury. That being said the Eagles and Bears game wasn't as exciting as a lot of games we had this past weekend, which is something that I wanted to focus on because this could have been the best weekend of football ever if you want to count comebacks and clutch wins. Tony, let's start with the Chargers, who ended up beating Tennessee with the clutch throw from Justin Herbert rolling out to his right and hitting Mike Williams for what I believe was a 31-yard pass or something like that. Um, it was a, it was another clutch win, and with that win and then a Patriots loss, it put the uh, the Chargers into the playoff picture, and they're currently the sixth seed at the moment. What do we make of the Chargers who, after they lost that game to the Raiders, have strung two pretty important wins against the Dolphins and the Titans? Well, I think this is a really good win for them here. Um, you know, they needed uh, this to secure um, playoff positioning, which is a place that the team hasn't been all season. Um, so that's got to feel good for them. I think when you look at this game, it is another ugly win for the Chargers. Um, they haven't won too many convincing games on this season, but they've won managed to win a few close ones here, mostly on the back of Justin Herbert, who continues to prove some of the naysayers wrong about his clutch ability. I know he's been having a, a bit of an issue with turnovers this year. Um, his interceptions are up. His passing touchdowns are a little down this year, but he continues to win um, in big games and keep this team in games that they would otherwise be losing outright. So I think it's a positive sign for them to get their wide receiver core healthy um, and win, you know, a, against a pretty decent Titans team, a team that was expected to make the playoffs this year, much like the Chargers were. Both teams have kind of disappointed in a sense. Um, so it was a fairly even matchup. You saw a real kind of close game, kind of an ugly game, but with a good finish, and that was a hell of a throw by Herbert. Would you say that that's his best throw of his career? I mean, he has so many good ones that I can think of. Steve, do you think that this is his best throw so far? You know, it's hard to say. Like you, like you just mentioned, he's had a lot of good throws, and I think that's what makes him so special is he can fit in those super tight windows. He had that super nice throw to Keenan Allen on the left sideline. Is it his best throw ever? I, I don't know, but it was definitely an extremely nice throw seeing him roll out to his right and then put it. It was a back shoulder throw, but to the inside, oddly enough, because Mike Williams was along that sideline and the corner kind of had better, uh, positioning to the outside so I think he did a great job putting it on the inside what did you guys think about that interception from Tennessee right before halftime did you guys uh happen to see it I didn't catch it yeah I uh, saw it yeah it was nice Justin Herbert tried to throw it into the end zone on the left side uh by the front pylon he threw it out uh 
he threw it kind of out of bounds. The Tennessee defender jumped, caught it, realized he was going to land out of bounds and threw it back in. Oh, um, I remember. I the, did see it. Yeah, yeah, for the other yeah. defender intercepted. So it, it was a it was a super heads up play and I mean that stop was huge obviously because it it made that game come down to the wire. I mean, also uh, just talking about the Chargers real quick. I think they finally might have found their kicker. Freaking Dicker the kicker. He finally Dicker, <laughs> they Dicker finally the Chargers to get some clutch <laughs> kicking in. So it's it's nice to finally see that. Yeah, obviously the Chargers have always had their issues with kickers, so it'll be interesting to see if they can finish this season. They have a somewhat easy schedule these last three games, so we'll see if they can lock up that playoff, um, lock up the playoffs. Blake, a division team for you guys is Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, who have been killing it recently. I think they're like on a five or six game win streak, something like that. Yeah. But Tampa Bay was up 17 nothing on them. Tom Brady was looking good. It looked kind of like the Bucks might come out and, you know, put the Bengals to rest here after this this hot streak that they've been on and, you know, like all season Tampa Bay has just kind of been underwhelming and they fizzle off and Joe Burrow throws four touchdowns and the Cincinnati Bengals scored 34 points in a row and it a Winning thirty four twenty three and a somewhat easy win against the Bucks. Tell us a little bit about what's making Burrow so good and efficient recently, and what do we make of Tom Brady and the Bucks? Because he had those two pretty bad picks that, yeah. you know, that momentum really switched. I think they had two picks and two fumbles, and to like start the second half or something like that. So, yeah, tell tell us what you made of that game. So, I mean, it was a crazy game to watch. I mean. I had my hopes up with the Buccaneers coming out, going 17-0, to that they're going to help the Ravens out, keeping the division, and then it all just started falling apart. Literally five possessions in a row for the Buccaneers. Inter- turnover on downs, interception, fumble, interception. It's just like, what is going on? Like, wh- where is Tom Brady at? Where is this ball controller, this, this legendary – player quarterback it's just it fell apart I don't know what happened and I mean I do got to give credit to the Bengals they capitalized on everything that the Buccaneers did give them but I didn't see anything spectacular from the the Bengals offense or anything like that I mean Burrow only threw for 200 yards the Buccaneers kept them well contained even Jamar Chase only had about 60 yards receiving um, so they kept them well contained. It's just the Buccaneers literally handed this in a golden platter to the Bengals and with yeah. those five five consecutive turnovers. It's just insane. Yeah. I, do you guys do you guys think Father Father Time is starting to catch up with Tom Brady or what where do you, where do you think Tom Brady goes to this point? Because he still has a chance to win the NFC South, but even if they make the playoffs, like, are we truly scared of the Buccaneers at this point? I mean, not really. No. To be honest, if they can, they have the talent. They have the talent. They the defense has talented players. They have skilled positions. If if they make the playoffs, they can give any team a run for their money in the NFC. It's just, can they put it together at that time? Do you, do you think Brady bounces back, or are we starting to see the end of him? 
That's hard to say. <laughs> Tony? I'm not too worried about the Bucks, and I'm not too worried about Brady. And I say this with every shred of respect I can give to somebody in a professional way, but I think his time has just passed him. And you can make a lot of excuses for Brady, and I think that his pedigree deserves kind of, you know, defending his legacy, defending how he's playing, finding other reasons that it's not working. But I think from an objective standpoint, you kind of have to look at Brady and be like, you know what? When the circumstances aren't just right for you, it's tough out here. And, you know, that's the nature of the sport. It's a physical sport. The athletes are only continuing to get better at all positions with with the way that sports technology and medical science works these days. Players can play for longer, run faster, and hit harder. And Tom Brady was drafted in, what was it, like the 2000 NFL draft? Or was it the 99? I mean, I it was, yeah, that was I one know. of the two. I was, I, I, mean, I was, I was in freaking pull-ups when Tom Brady got drafted. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, I will say one thing on it. Do you, how much blame goes to Todd Bowles though? I mean, Bruce Arians had this team rolling the last couple of years. It's like, do you put any blame on Todd Bowles? I put some blame on Todd Bowles for sure, but I think the cracks in the armor were showing last year. And, you know, the the thing is, is that after you win a championship, it's very hard to keep a championship court together, especially in the NFL, where players' contracts are shorter. Um, teams are willing to throw money at multiple players to try and build a, a championship roster now. It's hard to give all those guys money. It's hard to retain everybody, and it's hard to keep everybody healthy in the NFL. So I, I, I think some of it comes to the fact that Brady's aging. The roster isn't as good as it was during the Super Bowl run. They've lost some key pieces on the offensive and defensive lines. Um, yeah. The coaching change hasn't been helpful. And on top of that, I think you've seen some regression in the skill position area. Yeah. I mean – they had Leonard Fournette, and he was a beast earlier in this season. He was a beast, you know, with the last couple of seasons. But, you know, he's got had some mileage on him. They don't have Gronk anymore. Uh, I really think we're starting to see a decline with their two receivers as well. They've both had injuries. They've both looked less sharp. They both haven't been making the same kind of highlight plays we expect to see. As much as we want to believe that the Bucks are going to turn around, I think when you just kind of see, you know, the roof's leaking, you know, the kitchen's dirty, the dishes are piling up, who's going to clean it yeah. all up? Are we going to ask Tom Brady to clean up everything at his age? I think if the Bucks survive the dumpster fire that is the NFC South and make a playoff spot, that's a win for them this season. Put them in any other division, they'd be fighting for the scraps left from the dinner table. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree it's not all on, on Brady, but I definitely don't think he's been playing as well. So, like you said, I think a lot of it is that O-line, but we'll see if they can finish strong and hopefully win that division and make the playoffs because it would kind of suck to see Brady go out with a bad season like this. Um, another game that had an, a wild ending was the Chiefs and the Texans. Now, this was, you know, 
uh, one of the best teams in the NFL with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and then one of the worst teams in the NFL, the Texans, who surprisingly are extremely competitive. Uh, the Chiefs kept this game close the entire way through. It ended up going into overtime. The Texans actually stopped Chiefs coming out and got the ball. And on the very first play, Davis Mills fumbles the football and the Chiefs pick it up and end up kicking a field goal to win the game. And it was just, it was just again, another game this weekend that just had a crazy ending. Nobody would have thought the Texans would have even played the Chiefs this close and this well. Do you guys think, do you guys think the Texans kind of built a little blueprint for the rest of the NFL on how to play the Chiefs? Or do you think, you know, the Texans just played well. It, it was just one of those games where it was close, but it's not really going to impact anybody or anything in any way, shape, or form. I, if if I have to chime in on it, it, I don't think it's affecting anything. I don't think they found a blueprint. I, I think a lot of teams are just coming out when they got Texans on the schedule, and they're coming out and just not playing their full potential. I, I yeah. think a lot of teams are overlooking the Texans because they only won one game. But people got to remember they're still an NFL team. They still got NFL talent. But a lot of people, I, I just every time I watch the Texans play against someone, they're in it at least for the first half because teams just look like they're playing lazy against them. Because yeah. if you look at if you look at the game, the, the Texans didn't do anything crazy. They didn't have a breakout player come out. They didn't have Davis Mills throwing for three hundred yards, three touchdowns. They didn't have Damian Pierce do anything crazy. It's just I think teams are just coming out super lazy against them. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I, I, did they create a blueprint? Not really. What Mahomes threw for over three hundred yards, I think. Yeah, they rushed for thirty yards, two touchdowns. They still I, they still ran the ball well. Pacheco had eighty six yards. McKinnon had fifty two. Mahomes <laughs> had thirty three. So, I mean, I agree. I, I don't think the Texans did anything special. They played hard. I think they kept it close, like we were saying. But it wasn't anything outside of the missed field goal by Bucker. It like the Texans really didn't do much. So uh, I agree. It was kind of crazy. I think everybody was wasn't expecting that close of a game. But for it to come down to overtime and end the way it did, the Texans had the opportunity to win that game, and they just couldn't pull it out. I, I think it was just you know worth mentioning. Yeah. I. <sighs> this is a game that I I kind of. You know, I really do want to talk to you guys about it and kind of see where we stand because obviously the refs, you know, are just always questionable. They always make questionable calls, and, and we and we, as fans, we you know we tend to criticize them a lot. But the Giants and the Commanders game, they ended up tying two weeks ago, um, and both teams were in the playoffs. This was a very crucial divisional game. And the Giants ended up outlasting the Commanders off two crazy plays. Uh, it's the end of the game. The Giants are up right now, 19-13. Uh, they're up six. Terry McLaurin checks with the ref if he's good. 
And the ref tells him that he's not, that he had to come up. McLaurin appeared to move as to move up as to, you know, make sure he was okay. And then he says that he got confirmation from the ref that he was good. The play starts. Brian Robinson scores. The game is tied. Ref throws the flag immediately. Illegal shift. Um, Terry McLaurin wasn't lined up. What do you guys think is in the wrong here? Because as a player, do you think if the ref is telling you you're good, you're good? Or do you think he just assumed he was okay by the tiny little movement that he made? I think it was just a miscommunication. And unfortunately, it you, can, you can't say it cost them the game, but it had game ending ramifications for sure. I, I just think it was a miscommunication. Terry McLaurin thought that there was something there with the ref that there wasn't. And uh, the ref called what he thought was an obvious call because he threw the flag almost immediately on that play. So I don't know. Uh, maybe Terry McLaurin should have asked him verbally like, Hey, am I good? But who knows where that gets him? I don't know. It, 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 it's a part of the game. It seems like these days, but, um, the NFL just has so many specific rulings for so many specific situations. And while it's necessary to have clarifications and rulings on those things, I, I really do think it does give the, does do the NFL a disservice in certain situations. And I think this is one of them. There was a, another game with some questionable ref calling that I'm going to love talking about here later. And, you can't help but wonder why the rules are structured the way that they are sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the way that it's enforced and Blake, um, part of this giants commanders game was one of the very next plays on the last play of the game. Taylor, uh, Heineke, Heineke was looking for Curtis Samuel and the defensive back was completely draped all over him. I mean, he had his arms wrapped around him, hugging him. So, that being said, like you don't wanna you don't wanna end the game on a penalty, obviously. So you wanna let them play. And so I, I've heard a lot of defensive players and people saying, like, well, yeah, you like you can't call it on a defensive pass interference. Well, if you can't call it on that, then why are you calling a penalty on an illegal shift that had nothing to do with the play? See, I'm a huge defensive player. I, I love defense. But I'm so sorry. I, a ref's job is to call it right no matter what time of the game it is. I don't care if there's one second left and it's a Hail Mary. It's like if it's obvious, you have to call it. That was yeah. one of the most blatantly obvious calls that I've seen minus that Rams and Rams things. Yeah, that, <laughs> that minus, was really bad. That yeah, that one was bad. a whole nother level, but this was right there with it, like right below it. It's, it was an obvious pass interference. It was nice and clear. It's like, and you can't be scared. You shouldn't. You shouldn't have that job as an NFL ref if you're scared to make that call. It's like you have to do it. You have to. Yeah. No. I mean, I I agree. You don't want to end it on a on a penalty on that type of call. But if it's as clear as it was, like, you know, it brings up that that also, the discussion also, of. Go ahead. Also, the thing is, it's not ending it. It's like, yeah, it's a pass interference, but it's not giving them a touchdown. 
they still have yeah. to earn that touchdown. So yeah, you made a bad, you made a call, and you're not ending it. Now they actually have to still punch it in. So it's like, you, you, I don't know. It's just as a defensive player, it's like I don't want to see it called, but it, it should have been called. Yeah, well, and that's what I was gonna say. Like, it kind of brings up that discussion of should penalties be reviewable? Is that something you guys think should be a thing, or do you think like? No, we're fine without it. We don't want to delay the game anymore. I, the the refs just have to do maybe a better job. There That's needs hard. to be some accountability. There there has to be some level of accountability. Whatever that looks like is ultimately going to be a flawed solution because I don't think there's a perfect solution. But if it's reviewing penalties, then like I don't know if you're wrong, maybe it costs you two timeouts. That might be crazy, but. I mean, I don't want to spend more time watching replays of the game than just watching the game. But on the same side of the coin, I want the game to be called correctly. And I don't want to sit and talk about a game with an asterisk after it if there's questionable calls being made by the officials. See, the, I'm a, I, I mean, it's, I'm a little 50-50 on like the back, what was it, last year or two years ago when you could review the pass interference. I was a little 50 50 oh, yeah. on it, but I do think pass interference is something that should be reviewed in something like a under two minutes type of situation. Maybe yeah. not the whole game, it should be reviewed, but in under two minutes in a situation just like that, that's something that you might have to call. And it's like, and then, but the, my one downside with it is, like, if you throw a Hail Mary almost nine times out of ten, there's going to be a contact. So it's, like, it's yeah. so 50-50 on it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to kind of have that discussion to see how to do it. But, yeah, I, I, I like that that idea of under two minutes it should be reviewable. You know, there's there's always going to be a gray area where – well, now you have to call every single one the right way or, or not. So I think it's something that they definitely need to at least have a conversation about and try and figure out. Because a lot of the, a lot of these calls that do determine these games are blatant calls. It's not like, oh, you know, they're 50-50. You're not sure, like, it, bang, bang, it could have gone either way. No, these are calls that are like, it's clearly one thing. Yeah, a ref not- just too scared to call it. He doesn't want to have his name in the media his or yeah. her name in the media saying that he he or she called that type of thing and changed the course of the game. It's like, I'm sorry, you shouldn't have your job. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, I want to talk about the last game um, from this past weekend that came down to the wire. I didn't mention this at the beginning of the podcast. Unfortunately, our other co-host, Pete Rios, got COVID, so... He wasn't able to make it today. We're we're wishing him a healthy and speedy recovery. But that loss to the Jags, I'm sure he wouldn't want to be here anyway. <laughs> but that being said, the you know it was actually a good game. Some might call it a trap game. Some might not. A lot of us said that it was going to be a close game. The Jags had been playing well. Blake, you actually picked the Jags to win, and. You know, they they stood strong against the Cowboys. And they were carried by Trevor Lawrence and Rashawn Jenkins, the safety. Lawrence had, I believe, what what were his stats? Lawrence, he he threw for 
three hundred and like twenty yards, four touchdowns, and I one interception. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think Lawrence is really stepping into his own here. He's becoming that QB that I think everybody wanted him to be, and we had we kind of had that discussion earlier this season. Is where is Trevor Lawrence? Because he was that number one pick. He was like, oh, this guy is the best quarterback to come out of high school or college. And it just hasn't really clicked. He might not have had all the best help so far, the best coaching, Urban Myers last year, obviously. But with Doug Peterson, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, he, he really seems to have turned it around. Um, On the defensive side of the ball, Rashawn Jenkins had 18 tackles, <laughs> two interceptions. That one interception in overtime to end the game, the pick six, that bounced off Noah Brown's hands. So, you know, I, I was coming in, like, wanting to talk shit to Pete, but, like, realistically, this is a good Jaguars team. This was a team that we all thought could beat the Cowboys. Dak didn't play bad. The Cowboys didn't, as a whole, didn't play terrible. But that defense, again, just hasn't been playing as well as it did in the beginning of the season. What do you guys make of this? Is this a bigger win for the Jags trying to get into the playoffs in the AFC and win their division? Or is this a bigger loss for the Cowboys? I think it's a little equal. I think it's a little, a little bit of both. I think this is definitely a bigger win for the Jags only because this continues to give them the chance to make the playoffs, win their division. They have to keep on winning, but man, these Cowboys team just does not look good. They don't look as good as the record, I should say. That the offense is very consistent. Dak Prescott is pretty consistent. Um, that running game is one of the best running games in the league. But I'm that defense is so suspect. They can't stop the run. They have one great corner in Trayvon Diggs, but their other corners just get toasted. I mean, Zay Jones three touchdowns and a hundred over a hundred yards. It's just Man, it's it's rough to watch them, and I just I I mean I called it. I knew I knew Trevor Lawrence was going to have a crazy good game. I knew that was going to happen just because that defense is not the same. If Michael Parkinson's and Dex or and Lawrence, the Marcus Lawrence, aren't oh getting God. to the quarterback, their defense isn't playing well. That's literally their whole defense is that pass rush. If the pass rush can't get home, then they they have no no way to stop anyone. Yeah. Tony, what do you think? Um, I really agree with a lot with what Blake had to say there. I think that it's a really important win for this Jaguars team that has been um, inconsistent at just finishing games and winning games. They've had some ugly losses, some good wins, some ugly wins, a little bit of everything from them. Um, and I, I also think this is a little bit of a coronation game for the season that uh, Trevor Lawrence has been having. I think this is going to continue to boost his confidence um, and continue to make the Jags say, yep, this is our franchise quarterback. Let's go spend some more money on him. Let's go get him some more weapons. Let's see what kind of ceiling this team really has. Uh, so I think it's huge for them, regardless of if, if they make the playoffs or not. I think just they can look back at some of these wins and say that they got something there and that they definitely have something with Trevor Lawrence. I have a further question for you, Steve, though, real quick. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence, would you put him in your top 10 quarterbacks in the league right now? <sighs> <laughs> you I mean, know, you have during the offseason, I definitely want to do a 
position rankings because this is something I've like I've been wanting to yeah get into. You know, to start the season, probably no. Yeah. But with as well as he's been playing and he has been licking, I I think the the conversation could be made. Because we got mm-hmm. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Jalen Lamar, Hurts, Jalen Hurts, Lamar, Burrow, Lamar, Burrow, Burrow, Herbert, uh, Justin Herbert, Herbert, six. Um, we're um, missing somebody. I feel like we are too. I, I'm sorry, but I think Tua. Right at that, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I think I, I, I would take Herbert. Lawrence over Tua. I would take Lawrence over I'm Tua. Not, I, I was just saying, name another people yeah. you could throw Tua oh, in the yeah, conversation. Yeah. Um, I think Tua, you can have conversation in ten, a top ten. Justin Fields, Dak, Justin Fields. I don't have them. I think I take Lawrence over both of those. Yeah, Justin Fields is a good prospect, but Derek Carr. I, yeah, especially Tom with how Brady. Carr's been playing. Yeah, I would take him over Brady right now. Right now, right yeah. now, I think I would. Yeah. I, oh, here I got a good one. Would you take him over Kyler Murray right now? Ooh, Ooh. I would take Kyler. I think I would take him over Kyler. I mean, honestly, me too. I think if I'm starting, if I'm starting a franchise, and if I have to pick Trevor Lawrence or Kyler Murray, I think I'm going Trevor Lawrence. This would be a nice little segment to see what other people think. Well, that's that's a hard I, one, but yeah, I think I think I would take. I think I'm taking Lawrence. Tony, I would take Lawrence too, but I don't think it's that obvious. There needs to be a little bit of nuance to this because it's going to turn into the <laughs> fuck Kyler segment. Um, but I mean, what Kyler can do on his legs, I don't think Lawrence can replicate in any kind of way. So there's like an extra dimension that you don't account for. But I, I'd still take Lawrence just because I think he's simply better at throwing the ball. Like you, you can get into the totality of it all. Kyler's throwing and his running versus Lawrence and what he can do with his feet and what he can do with his arm and all that. And you can look at the results and everything. But I, I just think that because Trevor Lawrence throws the ball better than Kyler Murray, that's why I would take him. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so that that was Trevor Lawrence against a younger QB. Now, now I got one against a, an older QB. Trevor Lawrence or Aaron Rodgers? Trevor Lawrence. Right now? Right now. Right now. I think that's I think that's easy to be honest. I if, 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 Steve, let's, say, let's say you Steve, have the Niners team. Are you taking Aaron Rodgers on putting him on that Niners team or are you taking Trevor Lawrence and putting I'm him taking on the Trevor Lawrence? Team? Steve? You <laughs> yeah. go, you go first. You go before me. <laughs> um <laughs> if I'm picking like <sighs> now nah, if you if you have one season if you had this Aaron Rodgers and this Trevor Lawrence, and you only had one of them for one whole season, that's it. Not a not a career, just one season. Like this is gonna be surprising because I have been like adamant that I didn't like this player for a long time, and Rodgers. But I think I would pick right now for one season. I think I'd pick Rodgers. Oh, no. I'm picking Lawrence, man. I think I just have to go with the experience and the expertise because I think Rodgers obviously is a way, a, a way better thrower of the football than Brady is at the moment. So, uh, But I think, I don't know, <laughs> the, the way Trevor Lawrence has been playing, and he's athletic. It's not like he can't run. He's big. He's got the size. So, What do you think, Tony? Man, listen. 
I've watched for 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 ten years, twelve years. Aaron Rodgers live rent free in the minds of fellow Vikings fans. I've watched this man dominate this division and then choke in the NFC Championship game, but dominate this division, be the cream of the NFC crop. I don't know how you pick Lawrence over him. You can look at this season, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers situation in green Bay has been pretty bad. It's been one of the worst situations he's had his whole career. And yet they still have a fighting shot. They still have a fighting shot. Give, give Rogers, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram. Let him play in warm weather all year. Give him that. Just give him the Jags. I don't need the fucking 49ers. Give him the Jags. <laughs> give him the Jags. That team would that team would have right now, I'd probably say at least eight, nine wins. No doubt. Get give give Aaron Rodgers the Jags. I don't know. Give Aaron Rodgers it, the Jags, bro. Come on. It's, it's Aaron Rodgers we're talking about. It's a good conversation to have, but I'm sorry, Trevor Lawrence has looked nice this year uh, the last okay, six okay. weeks okay. Let, let me ask you guys this the last six weeks this segment's running a little long so let, let's end it on this one who would you take right now Aaron Rodgers or Kyler Murray oh Aaron Rodgers all day without okay. a doubt <laughs> that's not even a question <laughs> Next. Well, we're going to a break right now <laughs> yeah with that being said <laughs> that ends pretty much the biggest news of the week and this wild wild weekend that we had in the NFL um, we are going to talk about what made it historic, uh, coming up in our game recaps. We will and previews. Um, so we'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back. For the NFC North. Welcome back, everybody. Getting ready to start with our game recaps and previews for this past weekend. Tony, go ahead and get us started as you obviously had a historic comeback. Um, As everybody knows, this past weekend, the Vikings played the Indianapolis Colts down 33-0 at halftime. 33-0. I mean, Ravens, Raiders, we've been part of some big collapses this season, but (laughs) 33-0. And like, I was giving you shit to begin, Tony, because I was like, yo, Jeff Saturday, an apology because he's been playing better. <laughs> he was smacking your Vikings. I was like, holy shit, they was talking shit about the Raiders losing to him. And sure enough, Kirk Cousins throws for over 400 yards in the second half in overtime. Tell us a little bit about this historic comeback from the Vikings coming back down 33-0 and winning in overtime. Well... Uh, the first thing I'd like to say is that I checked the odds at halftime. I was on a call with a few of my other Vikings friends, and most of us were like, this game's over. I checked the odds. The Colts had a 98.4% chance of winning that game at halftime. I wish they could and- have did that last week when I was in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> but... um. You know, the uh, one fan, one friend amongst us all was the one who believed. He said, we're still winning this game at halftime. That's what he (laughs) told me. And I was like, bro, come on, be realistic. (laughs) They need to score five touchdowns in a row and stop the Colts multiple times. 
And somehow they did it. And the real catalyst for this game was actually KJ Osborne. Um, he led the team in receiving. He also had a touchdown on top of it, a career day for him. And, you know, he came out early in that third quarter, had some good catches. They still weren't able to get some momentum, but finally they were able to pull together a touchdown there and it started snowballing from there. Um, One thing I do want to say about this game is that the Colts only scored one touchdown on offense. Matt Ryan had less than 200 yards through the air. They had, they kicked five field goals and scored two touchdowns defensively. Um, And that was how they got their scoring this game with their kicker and with their defense, which, you know, they have a good defense. I'd say it's the stronger side of this Colts team. They, Stefan Gilmore is still, I would consider, a great, if not borderline, elite cornerback. Him and Justin Jefferson had their battles this game. Um, but when you managed to be down that bad and you only gave up one touchdown to the to the offense, you got to be coming away thinking, you know what? We were down 33-0, but our defense showed up more in this game than our offense did, despite what the score was looking like. Um, We had three turnovers this game. We were completely void of any kind of offensive consistency in the first half. Kirk Cousins falling on his back on second down and just stalling that drive out was symbolic of how that first half went. And my blood was boiling. I was... (laughs) <laughs> so I was so pissed off and the impossible happened. They kept stopping the Colts early in the game. They were limiting them to field goals as much as they could when we would turn the ball over or three and out or get sacked after a, a nice play or tr- just any kind of bad offensive thing. The defense did manage to force field goals. It It's just another classic Vikings game. I, I don't know. It, I still can't believe that it happened. Um, Kirk Cousins had two uh, two interceptions that were really costly for this team. But he still finished the game with over 450 and four touchdowns. Dalvin Cook had a decent game. The, the same faces that have kind of been popping their heads around being the heroes for this team – do it again. And, um, you know, when it's clicking for this team, it's clicking for them. And when it's not clicking for them, it is not at all. And as good as this win feels and as many good things you can take away from it, I think if you look at the Colts and how they approached offense in the second half of the game, I mean, the Colts had no reason to be as conservative as they were initially and then weirdly loose with it as the Vikings momentum was starting to build. Like, you know, I feel like the time where they should have been a little bit more loose and willing to take chances was earlier in the third quarter, you know, kind of when they had the Vikings not stopped, but they hadn't quite gotten the momentum that they gathered late in the third. And then for the whole fourth quarter, they should have been more aggressive. They should have been playing it a little bit more loosely and keeping the Vikings on 
their heels. Instead, they come out super conservative. And then, you know, that bizarre call to go for the quarterback dive when you're in field goal range and you just need to get some points and you go for the dive to try and put them out of the game. And I mean, you got Matt Ryan at quarterback They, they could have brought in. I can't even remember that kid's name because he played like, one or two games and was oh, unimpressive. Sam, uh, Sam Ellinger. <laughs> there we go. A, a Brock Purdy wannabe. <laughs> well, look, let, let me ask you like they, this. They could have brought Ellinger. I don't know. Go ahead. Like, like this season, it's a common reoccurrence that teams are just having completely two different halves. You know, like just every team all season long, you like, one half the team is a playoff team, and the second half it's a top five draft pick team. You know, what do you what do you take from the Vikings in this kind of a game? Do you think it's more impactful the fact that they were down thirty three nothing to the Colts, or do you think it's more meaningful that they were able to come back in that second half and pull? you know, all these plays together in order to win. Because 33, obviously, 33 yeah, points is never just some, ridiculous. Never been, done before. never been done before. It's not something that happens. But is it kind of like disheartening the fact that they were down 33 to the Colts? I mean, no. I don't – I think it was bigger that the Vikings came back from 33-0 to win that game. Just like Tony said, they gave up one touchdown defensively. And yeah. it's like – it was just a – bad game from the offense. I mean, it was a good game technically from the offense. I mean, good first, good second half, horrible first half, but it's like the turnovers killed them. It's like they let them, they let the Colts get this lead. They let them do that. But at the same time, I've been huge on the Vikings defense being very, very subject. And I don't believe, believe in the defense at all. And for them to only give up one touchdown defensively that says something and then for turnovers to happen for them to hold them to three points each time it's it's a win it's a win for the vikings defense uh so it was huge to see them come back i mean it's huge to see kirk cousins to be able to flip the switch and get their offense going and get a comeback going i mean it hates i hate to say it fuck the, fuck the vikings but <laughs> it's like i hate to say it but i i it was huge for them it's just I was talking to Tony during the game. It's like, man, Jeff Saturday just choked. He's like, he's like, what was going on? Like, you have that such big of a lead to go so conservative to the point where they were just looking for the three and out. They were just running the ball three times, willing to punt it. And then when they started coming back, it's like you went into panic mode. And it's like, yeah. it's like it was it was horrible. It was horribly Probably one of the worst coach games I've seen, and that's saying something for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Because initially, initially, I thought, "Oh my gosh, here go the Vikings, another fucking <laughs> yeah. half, another game of just shitting the bed, same old Vikings. Let's disrespect them." I hopped on Twitter because I was at a tournament, so I, I wasn't like watching the game live. I hopped on Twitter at halftime, 33 nothing. The Vikings were getting flamed like cr- 
ridiculous. <laughs> More than the Raiders have this season. I was like, oh my gosh, if I was Tony, I would be losing my shit right now. But credit to you guys, like you said, the defense only gave up one touchdown, which is why I don't think them being down 33 nothing was as significant. Because had your defense been getting carved up by, by the Colts without Jonathan Taylor and you're down 33 nothing, then I'd have been a little more concerned. But the fact mm-hmm. that you, like Blake said, the fact that you guys were able to only give up one offensive score, keep it close, and then, you know, in two and a half quarters, be able to put up the amount of points that you guys didn't come back and win was was historic in itself, obviously. I just want to get in one last thing uh, here before we move on to the next game, Steve, is that Kevin O'Connell handled himself with a lot of composure in this game. People are going to point to, like, that fake punt throw that just went bad, but it wasn't a terrible call. It caught everybody off guard. The punter just aired it. Was it, he just, no, it was a terrible call. I, I I think he got a little desperate in that moment. Just a little desperate. I think was, that was when I think that was the moment he realized he needed to calm down. Yeah, because it was only what yeah. I think at that point it was only fourteen to zero or seventeen zero. It wasn't out of hand at that point. I think he got a little desperate. But you know, from from the defense changing it up, you know, they brought a little bit more pressure to Matt Ryan. You haven't seen this Vikings defense pressure a lot or blitz a lot. They've always brought in four because they have Daniil Hunter and Darius Smith, who are both elite edge rushers, and they think they can get two with four. They started yeah. calling some blitz. They started calling some single high safety. And, you know, that adjustment and the offense of adjustment to just, you know, ride the hot hand, let the team do what it does. If, you know, if one person's working, let's keep getting it to them. If it's not working, let's move on to somebody else. And another thing about this game that I think we also forgot to mention, besides the coaching, I think the Vikings coaching, the way the adjustment they made was great. But another thing was the officiating. Two defensive touchdowns from the Vikings were called back that were pretty clear defensive touchdowns. Um, But the play's ruled dead. And the return happens after the ball is ruled dead. They go and review it. They gave us the ball one time when we deserved it, and they took it away from us another time we deserved it. I I, I really think it's interesting how much bad refing we've seen this year. And I'm not just, like, trying to bitch about the Vikings, but there's been a lot of games with some pretty questionable officiating you can even look like last week with the Chargers and the Dolphins that um, hit on Justin Herbert was called to flag when that stall was driving or when that drive was stalling. <laughs> you look at the um, uh, the Giants-Commanders game with the you know questionable call and then the no call there on the defensive pass interference. Um, the catch that people are still debating about um, I mean, there's just been so many questionable calls this year. I think it's just really interesting that we've seen it be this way. It, it hasn't been since I remember they had the backup refs. <laughs> and and that year was really bad, but it, I don't feel like it's been this bad since then. Am I the only one? Is it just recency bias or has it been worse this year? I mean, it, I feel like it's been pretty bad overall. 
Maybe not not necessarily just bad, but just more like inconsistent. They call one thing, but then they don't call another, you know. I I can complain about the Max Crosby holds. I'm like, if you want to go by the book, they'd be calling a hold on Max Crosby damn near every freaking play. But yeah, I definitely think the refing has to be a little bit more consistent. And I think it will be a focus point for the NFL this offseason. At least I would I would hope it is. Yeah, we'll see how it shakes up. They'll probably change one rule and then we'll bitch about that next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Vikings had that historic win, a win you guys needed, considering the fact that you guys are trying to clinch up that that division and a, a number two seed, hopefully. And who knows, with the Jalen Hurts injury, maybe a number one seed. Another team who had a wild wild game was my Las Vegas Raiders. They had another walk-off win against Bill Belichick and the Patriots who came to Las Vegas to Allegiant Stadium. And it was a game that I think a lot of us anticipated it to be somewhat sloppy, kind of slow. Derek Carr didn't have the greatest game again, but the Raiders did what they they've normally been doing. They jump out to a quick lead. We were up 17-3 at halftime. And we got Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro back finally. So that it was good to see them out there and get some action. And Darren Waller actually had a touchdown. So I know for a lot of Raider fans, that was good to see because he's been on the receiving end of a lot of criticism from Raider fans Talk, there's a lot of talks about trading him in the offseason, so I think it was important to see him get on the field. Um, Derek Carr finally threw for three passing touchdowns, which doesn't happen very often. Um, But yeah, to start that third quarter, we were up 17-3. Again, like a lot of our games, were, we had a commanding lead. We were had control of the game, and then early on in that third quarter, Derek Carr throws a pick six to Kyle Duggar, who... Made a great play. I mean, if you saw the play, Carr catches the ball and throws it right away. So it wasn't like, oh, he hesitated or waited or the snap was, you know, fumbled or anything like that. Kyle Duggar just, as soon as he said hike, he he read that play. He jumped the screen out to Devontae Adams and picked it off for six. Um, But yeah, as I said, we give up. We give up the lead. Patriots come back. Fourth quarter, they take the lead, and here, here we go again. The Raiders blew blew the lead. Everyone's thinking they're going to lose. Derek Carr drives down the field in similar clutch fashion that he normally does at the end of games, and he throws an absolute dime to Keelan Cole on the left sideline in the end zone in what we were just talking about, another questionable call. Was he out of bounds? Was he inbounds? And I, I want to ask you guys' opinion on that, but it ended up being called a touchdown on the field. There wasn't conclusive evidence. Play stands. Scores good. The Raiders tie the game at 24-24. And the Patriots get the ball back with 30 seconds. And everyone thinks what, maybe a Hail Mary or a kneel down, something like that. No, they handed off to Ramondre Stevenson, who had a huge day. I believe he had 179 yards rushing against us. 
Um, I, you know, we're, we're big fans of Stevenson. He's been killing it all year. He has a draw up the middle. Chandler Jones misses the tackle. Stevenson breaks it for about, I don't know, 30 yards. He laterals the ball to Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers runs back about an extra 10, 15 yards backwards and then decides to throw the ball backwards to Mac Jones. Now, who is waiting there? Chandler Jones grabs the ball from the air. It's considered a fumble, a fumble recovery, but you damn near an interception. Stiff arms Mac Jones, puts his face in the turf, runs it back, Raiders win, walk off on a fumble recovery. Um, have you guys ever seen a play like that, first of all? And, I mean, the game was tied. Yeah, you're down. All right, let's do the pitch game. We have no choice. But in a tie game, you could just go to overtime. The Patriots had all the momentum. What did you guys make of that last play before we, we, we circle back to the Keelan Cole touchdown? So to touch on, on that, that was probably the worst. If if it was called like this, Bill Belichick called it to be a backyard football type of pitching and for the last play, I think that's the worst call Bill Belichick's ever made. Yeah. I mean, he was he was on his own 40. I mean, if you do want to go for a last-second play, you go for a Hail Mary. I mean, Mac Jones isn't the strongest arm, but he should be able to throw it 50, 60 yards as an NFL quarterback into the end zone. And you take your chance with that. You don't take your chance with a backyard football play. Being tie game, you have the momentum. It's like you just don't take that risk. It's like it was just – I mean, Jacoby Myers did say, like, that wasn't planned, that he knows better. He said he was just trying to be a hero, and he tried to take all the blame for it. You know, he tried not to put it on the coaches or even on Ramondre Stevenson, who pitched it back to him in the first place. So he was a professional about that. But, yeah, that that has to be one of the biggest boneheaded plays. One of the worst losses I've seen. I've never seen anything like that. I don't think we will see anything like that for a very, very long time. Yeah, I mean, and Chandler Jones has been having a not as good as a year as everybody hoped. He's been playing better better recently. So, I mean, just if you, if you watch the game to, to see how the rest of the team, the fans, everybody, the announcers, the analysts were reacting to that was just Oh, Julian Edelman in the stands was pissed. Oh, that was fucking heated. Isn't it a little bit ironic that it's the Patriots doing this? Well, yeah, it's such a good, disciplined team. It's like if you saw the Spurs on Shaq and a Fool, you'd be like, what the fuck am I watching? (laughs) That being said, though, because, I mean, that that overcomes the Keelan Cole touchdown. But up until that Chandler Jones touchdown – the Keelan Cole thing was all over Twitter. Do you guys think Keelan Cole was in on his catch, or do you think he was out? I think he was in, but I don't know. It was sketchy for sure. <laughs> it's close. It's close. It's hard I mean, to tell. It, the only thing that sucks is they only had that one weird top view. They didn't have any other. Where was all the other cameras at? It's like they only had that one top view, and he looked like he was out of bounds. So yeah. I would, I honestly said out of bounds. No, I mean watching it, I thought the same thing. I'm like, that's out of bounds. There's no way it's in bounds. Granted, 
I'm not going to be mad at it because Patriots, Raiders, <laughs> Tuck Rule, Brady, you know, whatever. Oh, <laughs> the Patriots got a bad call. Whatever. Um, that being said, the Raiders' playoff chances are still alive. Uh, they would have to win out. They they face the Steelers next uh, this coming week. But after a tough loss to the Rams, I think it was important to get back together and, and get this win. So hopefully they can string these last three wins and everything can go right for them and they can try and sneak into the playoffs. Blake, you're Ravens. Um, obviously dealing with the Lamar Jackson injury. You guys played the Browns on Saturday. And Tyler Huntley struggled. He looked pretty good last week. And, you know, we, we've all kind of said he he's a pretty good passer of the ball. We we like how he looks. We think he's a, a very solid backup, probably a future starter at some point. But he struggled. He struggled against Cleveland. And then, obviously, J.K. Dobbins is still running the ball extremely well since he came back. What did you guys make of your guys' disappointing 13-3 loss? And, I mean, I think it's obvious that you guys need Lamar back. I mean, we do need Lamar back, but I mean, I'm so sorry. It's I don't blame Tyler Huntley at all. If you, I'm sure you guys watched the game. Every single pass play, we're doing a two, three yard curl or a five yard quick slant. It's like it's like there's no depth to our passing game. It's so predictable, and and it blows my mind when you have J.K. Dobbins who ran for 120 yards. I think you only had like 10 carries, 12 carries or something like that. And you do not, you give them one attempt in the fourth quarter. It's like, I would understand yeah. if it was in a 33 to zero situation, you have to pass the ball, but you're only down 10 going into the fourth quarter and you decide to run the ball with JK or Gus Edwards once. It's a, it's a mind blowing stat. It's just it's stupid to me for them to run for, Gus, between Gus and JK, the run for almost 200 yards, only on less than 20 attempts. Just yeah. feed them, and you got to feed them. But it, it was rough to watch. I still have, I still love our defense. Defense held them to 13, only 13 points. He held Nick Chubb under 100 yards, even with the garbage time rushing. Um, I mean, it sucks. We lost Marcus Peters. He's probably going to be out for two, three weeks. Um, yeah. He should be back definitely by playoff time, I but sucks to, sucks to lose him. And we're stuck down to only Marlon Humphrey as our true shutdown corner now. But, man, it's it's time to fire Greg Roman. It's it's time to move on. <laughs> it's so time to move on. Greg Roman is the bane of my existence right now. <laughs> you know what? I think Greg Roman watched uh, Pete on the episode last week say that or maybe was that the week before? It was two they, weeks ago. Two, weeks, two ago. weeks ago where he said Huntley might have been a better passer. Greg Roman <laughs> watching that shit like, damn, dude, this has got a good point. <laughs> nah, I mean, it's like, bro, it's like you 200 yards rushing, but you throw the ball 30 times. It's, it's just it's just so idiotic to me. It's And it's been like this for a long time. Lamar's kind of hidden a lot of those into like or miscues that I feel yeah. like happen on offensive play calling because Lamar can make something out of nothing a lot of the time, but it's it's time to move on. I don't think Lamar is going to be able to live to his true potential. I don't think Tyler Huntley will be able to live to his true potential. 
I think we peaked with Greg Roman. I think this is the highest you can go with Greg Roman. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you can see the whole season. The offense at times has left a lot to be desired, and Blake has been very, very you know, vocal about how Greg Roman doesn't do a good job of utilizing what he has, the tools to his ex- to his expense, you know, to its fullest potential. Um, I mean, just look on my Twitter. If you guys want to look on my Twitter, I posted multiple pictures of four four receiver routes, but all four receivers are within five to ten yards of each other, where two DBs are covering four receivers. Makes no fucking sense to me that that should, it should never be even a thing in the NFL. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think they definitely need some some kind of change like you said you you see this team you guys have players like Dobbins who are running the well Edwards you know and just the fact that you don't utilize them is a, is a red flag in itself but again i think you guys just need to hopefully get Lamar back hopefully it, it helps hide some of Greg Roman's um troubles and you guys can get back to that you know, to the winning column. Take right now. Next season, Ravens trade for DeAndre Hopkins. Calling it. Wow. From the Cardinals, you think so? Calling it. That's big. I I mean, if something like that happened, weapons, Blake. Weapons. (laughs) I don't care if we had DeAndre Hopkins and fucking – Devontae Adams side by side in this offense <laughs> with Greg Roman, it won't matter. <laughs> they ain't doing shit. Um, I'm looking for this play you were posting about on your uh, Twitter. I'll show. Right, I'll I'll send it to our group chat right now. All right, we'll be able to see it by the preview. He's like, I got Bet. you. Um, and we already covered the Cowboys recap against the Jaguars for Pete since he's out. So we're gonna jump straight into our previews um tony your vikings are facing the giants this week on christmas eve a possible playoff matchup what do you make of of this of this game against the giants and do you think this is where you guys can clinch that division we clinched the division already oh you clinched the division okay i thought you clinched the playoffs Okay, well, let us know. What, what do you make of this playoff matchup? Because obviously the Giants coming off that win. You know, kind, kind of see, well, I, I want to see how the Vikings bounce back from, you know, starting off 30, down 33 nothing against the Colts and then, you know, coming back with all that momentum. Similar to the Bills, did that take everything you guys had and then you guys had that collapse right after against the Cowboys? Or do you guys, you know, learn from that past, from that past experience and, you know, carry it over and, you know, win against the Giants. What do, what do you make of this game? Well, I don't think the Giants are in the same stratosphere as the Cowboys defense was at the time of that game. They were probably playing their best stretch of football right there. Uh, I think just because of how much the Giants offense has receded since about week seven, I'm not super worried about this game getting too out of hand. I think you're going to see another game where the Vikings make some mistakes 
and allow the situation to start to get out of a hand. Yeah. But I, I think it's going to be another game where they clean it up in the fourth quarter, tie the loose ends, get the defense um, making stops and having the offense score touchdowns. I, I just think that that's the kind of game you could see. St. Colin Barkley has been really inconsistent as of late, and I think it's just because teams are starting to load the box against him again. Yeah. Uh, the Giants' pass offense really doesn't have a whole lot to scare you with other than what Daniel Jones can do with his legs. And at that point, is it even passing the ball? <laughs> yeah. I think that this has the potential to be a two-score win for this Vikings team that hasn't had a multiple-score win in a long time. I think the potential for it is there. I think it could be a really close game in the first half, and then the Vikings kind of peel away with the game in the second half. But uh, I don't think it's going to be a blowout or a perfect Vikings game by any means. Um, I believe this is in New Jersey, right? I believe so. I believe it's in in, in Jersey. Yeah, going on the road in the cold weather, I think this Vikings team will be ready for it and they will show up and win this game. How is a matter of, you know, interpretation. Can the Giants put up, you know, 21, 28, 30 points on this Vikings team? Because, you know, that's kind of the amount that you really need to put them away, anything less than that, and they're still within striking distance later in games. Uh, and I just don't think the Giants are going to do that. Yeah. Uh, give us a score. I'd probably say um, 31-21. 31-21. I like it. Blake? Uh, I would probably have it something similar. I think I have it at 27-17. Vikings. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm around the same. I, I think it'll be, it'll be a. It won't. I don't think it'll be as high scoring. I think it'll be a, a semi close game, but I think the Vikings maintain control for the majority of the game. I have the Vikings winning twenty four seventeen. Do you do do you think JJ gets over hundred yards receiving? Because he's he's inching closer and closer to that receiving record. Um, I think he does. I I I think he does get a hundred yards in this game. I think that you know that the Giants secondary is pretty good, but I I still think he gets to a hundred. Maybe he doesn't get the tutty. Maybe he just gets a hundred, but I could see him getting something like a hundred and three yards, a hundred and twelve yards, something like that. Yeah, just I got something me. for you, Tony. One quick question: If let's say Justin Jefferson does beat the record. Do you take Justin Jefferson season this year or Cooper Cup season last season? Ooh. I think you got to go Cup, bro. <laughs> Cup. Because, I mean, it Are depends. we including the postseason? Are we including the postseason or are we just we'll, talking about the regular season? Well, I mean, we'll just, talk about regular season because we're not in the postseason yet. So regular season. Regular season? Still got to give and it Cooper to Cooper Cup, Cup had bro. the tri- <laughs> he had the triple crown. Yeah. But – but Jefferson has the record. Like if Jefferson I mean, can somehow get to like two thousand yards, then yeah, you know, give it give it to Jefferson. But if he hits two thousand yards, yeah, it, the, that I mean, the Cooper Cup though was just it was like okay, 
now he's the like full time. Disrespecting rate. Cooper Cup season a little bit though. He almost had two K yards. That's what I'm saying. I think it's Cooper but, Cup. You have to but, give but it the, to him. But the two K record has been so elusive for receivers for a while now. We've had multiple two K runners, but never a two K receiver. Yeah, I mean. I mean I, Either way, I feel like it's got to be like a 1A, 1B yeah, kind of situation. I mean, but, he, he, does he lead in, he leads in receptions right now too, right? Yeah. Jefferson? I don't think he's going to catch up on touchdowns though. Yeah, so I, I think to me that's just the biggest knock on him. It'll, it would be the touchdowns, but obviously he's having – I mean, but you can chance. say Justin Jefferson's definitely made more – impactful plays. I mean, just that one catch was against Buffalo Bills. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just that one catch is just beats any catch that Cooper Cup's ever done. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, that's a more impressive catch. But that back shoulder fade, especially because he was a, such a short guy and it was for the win, that was a good-ass fucking play, especially because you knew yeah. exactly where it was going. I mean, I guess you knew it was going to to Jefferson on, on fourth and fourth down throw. <laughs> Who else do you throw it to? Uh, they're both so good. Yeah, they, I mean, <laughs> they're, both better, they're both better than OBJ's washed ass anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Raiders play the Steelers on Christmas Eve. Um, it's on the anniversary of um, the Immaculate Catch. Uh, the Steelers against the Raiders back in the day. So it's going to be a fun mm. matchup. Obviously, I would think Blake would want us to win because it's the Steelers. But in order for the Raiders to make the playoffs, we have to win out. We have to win our next three games, which is difficult in itself because we play the 49ers next week and then the Chiefs to end the season. But I feel like overall the Raiders have found a formula that they can play by and have some success now granted we still don't have all the bells and whistles figured out but you just got to feed Devonte, feed josh jacobs the patriots did a good job marcus jones did a good job of uh containing Devonte last week but we knew bill belichick would do whatever he could to try and contain our best players but this is a game that I, I see the Raiders winning, if I'm being honest. Like I said, I, th- I think we, we're starting to finally pick it up. We're starting to play a lot better. And I think Derek Carr kind of has to have a strong end of the season just to just to leave a better taste in people's mouths because he's just been so up and down. The Steelers, realistically are always a well-coached team behind Mike Tomlin, but they don't scare me. They don't really, offensively, they don't scare me. Defensively, they're always good defensively. You have to be careful with TJ Watt, but this is a game that I think Derek Carr plays well. I think Derek Carr throws for another two or three touchdowns, most likely two, because that three is just elusive to him. But I think you, you ride behind Josh Jacobs. Hopefully the defense can continue to play well. I just want to see the Raiders execute. Have a good, clean game. I don't care if you if if you don't score thirty points, you don't score thirty points. But if, if it's a twenty four twenty one win, it's a twenty four twenty one win. Fine, whatever. I don't need you to blow them out. Just have a good, clean game. We had thirteen penalties last week, thirteen against the Patriots. 
And when Josh McDaniels came in last offseason, that was one of the things that he ensured was going to change. He was changing the culture, penalties, the work ethic. And so far, it just it hasn't happened. Maybe they don't have the right players yet. But I'm hoping that they can just come out, have a cleanest game as possible. Don't worry about the playoffs. Just worry about this game. But I think I have the Raiders coming in and playing and winning this game. Um, let's go 24-20 Raiders. Tony? All right. Um, yeah, I was going to go with uh, something pretty similar here. I was going to go 21-17 Raiders. I think that's going to be a surprisingly close game, especially with Kenny Pickett coming back from concussion. Um, I, I can't root for the Steelers. It doesn't matter how much I hate the Raiders. I hate the Steelers even more. So I would probably have this be in a 21-20 game. Wow. I mean, yeah. No, I, I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be – I think the Raiders will have control for the most part. I feel like – almost every game we tend to. So I just I just hope we can maintain it. Let's not blow a lead or anything like that. Um Blake, your Ravens are playing the Falcons in this matchup, this battle of the birds. Um what do you make of your guys' matchup? Are we gonna see Lamar? Not yet. And what do you make of Desmond Ritter for the Falcons? Does he scare you at all? He didn't have the best performance last week. I Obviously, he's still really young. He's very raw, needs a lot of work. But what do you what do you make of this matchup? It's going to be another boring game to watch, especially if Lamar is not back. I don't see Ravens offense scoring more than thirteen points. But we're honestly, right now, I put us right there with the Broncos at worst offenses. <laughs> um, it's sad to see, but. Um, I'm not. I'm not scared of Desmond Ritter. I'm honestly a little bit more scared of if Marcus Berriota would start, just because of that running threat, and uh, him and Cordell Patterson are very dangerous together. Uh, luckily, Ravens defense is not number one anymore, but we are number two in rush yeah. defense, and our defense is very, very strong. So I'm not too worried about Falcons scoring too much. It just scares me right now with Ravens being able to score. We can move the ball very well, but the moment we touch the 20-yard line, we forget how to play football. Literally just forget how to do it. And we always get a fourth and one, and we decide to go for it, and we never get it. It just blows my mind on why we can't finish any drives. But it's going to be an ugly game to watch. I think if Lamar comes back, I do think we – Score a little bit more with the addition of Sammy Watkins, especially since he already knows the offense from last year. Um, so it shouldn't take him too much time to just jump in and get familiar with things. If we have, if I'm playing, it, I'm planning on not having Lamar. Yeah. If we don't have Lamar, I think we win a seventeen. I think it's going to be a seventeen-seven game. Ravens. Tony? Um, I have a, a similar game going down here, but I've got it being much uglier. Um, I've got this game 
going to be 15 to 12. <laughs> and I'm going to take the Ravens to win it. No team will score a single touchdown. <laughs> Justin Tucker is going to have a career day. And he's going to hit the game winner. I, you know, I, I think it's going to be a, a mini collapse by the Falcons. Actually, I think they'll get nine points in the first half. You get, it'll be like nine to three, and they'll have a <laughs> nine to three lead. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be Young Hoku versus Justin Tucker. <laughs> yeah. Be- so for all, all of the listeners that play fantasy, I'd try and pick up Young Hoku if you can. <laughs> if you can pick up Justin Tucker, then that's fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah, someone's not doing. Young- someone's not drafting right. Uh, so I'm going to pick up Young Hoku. He's going to have a career day, too. It's fucking horrible. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm similar fashion. I think the Ravens win uh, 17-13. Close game. I don't think – not a lot of offense, but – Is that at home? Yeah, it's in Baltimore. And we're okay, right yeah. now seven-and-a-half-point favorite, so. Yeah, so yeah, I'll go 17-13 Ravens for sure. The Devin Duvernay injury obviously sucks, which is why you guys ended up getting Sammy Watkins. But and hopefully Lamar can play. But even if he doesn't, I think at home you guys play much better. Nothing crazy. Um, Mariota though is on injured reserve, so it's it's Desmond Ritter all the way for the rest of the season. I I, I promise you, just so you, just watch the Ravens game at least <laughs> for the first quarter. I promise you, Greg Roman's gonna throw it like five to ten times on the first like. 12 plays. He's going to, it's going to be the majority pass because he's going to try to prove something. I promise you. Happens every time. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> obviously. I'm going to make a shirt that says fire Greg Roman, man. I'm telling you. Well, By the end of the season. We'll see you next week when we come back. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll still have plenty of complaint, plenty to complain about Greg Roman. That pretty much is going to wrap up our game recap and previews. Um, for this past weekend's games and the the upcoming games this week. We're going to take our last little break here before we jump into our final segment of the power rankings. And yeah, we'll be back and see you guys in a few. Sanford fan, nowhere in sight. Uh Uh-oh, it's picked off. Uh Uh-oh, oh Oh, no. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. Incredible. Chandler Jones takes it in and wins the game for the Raiders. Welcome back, everybody. We're here getting ready to get started with our Week 16 Power Rankings. And like always, we're going to start at the bottom and work our way up. Although this team had a a good showing against one of the top teams in the NFL, Texans are still standing strong at 32. Broncos are at 31. Rams are at 30 after another loss to the Packers this past weekend. The Panthers sitting at 29. Colts at 28, who... Might have jumped a lot with the win over the Vikings, but that just complete failure in the second half leaves them sitting there at the bottom. Bears are at 27. Unfortunately, it doesn't really matter how well Justin Fields plays. The Bears just still aren't good enough yet. Cardinals, 26. Saints, 25. Falcons are sitting at 24 with Desmond Ritter. Um, Browns at 23. Steelers at 22. Patriots at 21 after their loss to the Raiders. Bucks at 20, who, again, I just don't. The NFC South sucks, dude. I, I just, I don't think any of those teams. The Bucks are the most threatening team there, and I'm just. 
it sucks to say that they don't scare me. But, yeah, the Raiders are sitting at 19. Hopefully they can string another win. Packers are at 18. Packers are trying to quietly sneak into that playoff spot. So it'll be – there's six and eight. So it'll it'll be fun to see if they can somehow squeeze in. I think they play the Lions the last game of the season too. So that could very much determine who makes it. Uh, the Titans, we have them sitting at 17. This is a top 10 team for most of the season, but they just haven't been playing well recently. They lost to the Chargers, so we we dropped them quite a few. I think they were at sitting at like 11 or 12 last week. So Seahawks at 16, Jets at 15. The Jets are a good team. I think we can all agree that they just quarterback play. Quarterback play is everything. Sauce Gardner didn't get targeted once. Against the Lions, against the Lions this past weekend, the Lions won. They they kept throwing the ball, but not once did they throw Sauce Gardner's way. So, I think you know that's big to say. Sitting at fourteen is a team that Blake wanted a little higher, and they've just been playing extremely well lately. Is the Jags? Trevor Lawrence has really stepped up lately, but we have them on that top half of NFL teams, and I think. They're season removed. They could still win their division, but I think they're just getting closer and closer to being a good team again. At 13, we have the Washington Commanders who have a tie and a loss in the last two games, both against the Giants. Um, The Lions sitting at number 12. Now, some people do have them in their top 10. Blake wanted them actually at number 10, and I think you can make the case with how well they've been playing, the teams that they've been beating, For me and Tony, or at least for me personally, I just couldn't put a team that didn't have a winning record into the top 10 yet. I agree that they're probably playing just as well, if not better, than the Chargers, Ravens, and Dolphins the last few weeks. But I think I just, I need to see just that winning record. To be a top 10 team, like, obviously you started off the season extremely poorly, so and that was for a reason, so... And at number 11, we have the Giants who came off their win against the Commanders and are sitting at 8-5-1 right outside the top 10. Uh, what do you guys think of the Giants and Lions? Who, who, are you, who would you guys rather face in the playoffs? The Giants. Giants, 100%. So do you think, I, do you think we should have put them at 11, or do you think like we have to give the Giants that benefit of the doubt? I mean, well, I'm different from you guys, so I'll let you guys chime in on this. The way I see it is that the Giants have a better chance at clinching a playoff spot than the Lions do right now. Are we really going to have a team that was in our top 10 not make the playoffs? I mean, you know, this late into the season, you're either clinched or you're pinched. And I think the Lions could end up pinched. If they lose a bad game, especially with that Packers game at the end of the season, I mean, they could play as good as they might. They could play as good as they want to, but they could very much end up um, like the Phoenix Suns in the bubble where they won out in the bubble and they were the hottest team there. Still couldn't <laughs> get it done by the end of the season. So I, I, especially with the win over the Commanders, a questionable win at that with how it ended, but a win's a win. And that was a, a divisional game win that changes the seedings that affects so much. I think they still have to get their respect for being the seed that they are right now. And the lions still have 
quite a bit of wood to chop before they're in that playoff discussion. So I, I like I agree that they are a scarier team right now, especially after they just beat the Vikings. Yeah. However, they are seven and seven for a reason. There's a whole other half a season of football where the where the complete opposite of this consistency matters. Now, once we get towards the playoffs and we're looking at the lions and they have a playoff seed, then yeah, absolutely. And like Steve said, if they had a winning record, he'd be more willing to put them in his top 10, but the, the giants have a better record. They played well in their division. I think they deserve that 11 spot. I'm a little bit different on that. Uh, I think Lions deserve that spot more than the Giants do. One, by the last six weeks, five weeks, Giants have won one game. They've tied one, they've won one game, they've lost the rest. And if you're looking at as far as scheduling goes and going for the rest of the season, if I'm looking at the Lions schedule, I 100% think they will and have a great opportunity to win out while I see the Giants only winning one more game. I don't think they're going to beat what I think they're playing. Yeah, they're playing the Minnesota Vikings next week. They play the Colts after that, which I think they'll definitely beat the Colts. But then they go and play the Eagles. I don't even care if Jalen Hurts isn't playing. I don't see them winning that game. Um, I, I just, I'm sorry. I And going back to like as far as like playoff goes, I'm not basing my power rankings yet off of playoffs. I do think Lions have just as good of a chance than the Giants at this moment in time than the to make the playoffs that the Giants do. Yeah. So at this point, I have them even when it comes to playoff odds, but they've been playing so much better. I put I would put all my faith in the Lions over the Giants being able to win out and Giants making the playoffs. I Lions are so much better of a team. Jared Goff is my comeback player of the year. He's killing it. I'll give it to him. That, and you He's know what? That, that makes me mm-hmm. extremely happy. I'm glad you mentioned Jared Goff because that makes me extremely happy to see him succeed, especially with how he was basically kicked Jared, out of. Yeah, he tossed to the side. Yeah. By the Rams. I so. mean, He's my comeback player of the year. Jamal Williams is playing insane. I love Jamal. It's like Amon Ross St. Brown is honestly a surprise to me. I thought it was a one-hit wonder last year, but now nah, he's proven that he is a number one receiver in the league. And it's it's just that offense is so powerful, surprisingly, but so powerful that I would give them over the Giants and just Saquon any day. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, like you said, if you're looking looking at the past six weeks, even if you want to cut it down in just the past few weeks, the Lions have just played have been playing significantly better. So I definitely think it's it's not like, oh, you crazy for thinking the Lions are eleven or ten. The Giants probably should be a little bit lower. I think we're just trying to give them that little benefit, but I would agree with you in the sense that I out of all the teams from 11 down, the Lions are easily the best and the scariest team there. Sitting at number 10, which is a, te- is a team that we, don't, we really don't talk about that much. I try, I try to talk about them a little bit here and there, but the Chargers, obviously, 
you you guys heard my rant after the Raiders beat them. But since that loss, they beat the Dolphins. They beat the Titans. They're in the playoffs as of right now. They're playing great behind Justin Herbert despite all the injuries. And my knock on Justin Herbert has been that he hasn't made the playoffs. So as if they can continue playing well, if he can lead them to the playoffs, I think that's a big step for him. And... Yeah, I I think the Chargers are an interesting team. I think they can even climb up a little bit a little bit higher, but I mean, we have to see how the season ends. I they they have a favorable schedule these la- these last 3 games. Um Blake, your Ravens are sitting at number 9 and you you were even okay with maybe having them lower. I know your faith with Greg Roman and the offense just isn't strong right now. And for good reason. Your offense hasn't been playing well, but your defense is just your stereotypical Ravens defense every, you know, since the beginning of time, the early Yeah, time. the only defense I'll put above the Ravens at the moment is the 49ers. Yeah. And that's with all due respect. You got to give it to them. Um, and number eight is the Dolphins, who, again, was a team that I said I feel like was in that 5-10 to 10 range. I never thought they were a top five team, and I think it's starting to show now that we're getting into the colder into the colder months. Injuries, teams are, are having to battle it out more. You're starting to see a little bit of that effect, and two is not playing as good lately. Um, Tony, your Vikings are at number seven. A top five team pretty much all season, just a couple bad losses, a couple bad halves that just tend to leave a very sour taste in people's mouth when it comes to Vi- to the Vikings. Do you think fans should be a little bit more objective when they look at the Vikings, or do you think people's concerns are, you know, are, are rightfully so? I think... Uh... I think that the concerns, though warranted, almost immediately get quashed by the Viking second half play. Yeah, I think the fact that they're able to win despite their shortcomings consistently, um, more than enough should quell the concerns from an objective standpoint. If it was one or two, like, fluky kind of wins where, you know, they managed to pull some miracle together, that'd be one thing. But the fact that this team consistently wins games in the fourth quarter, despite whatever mistakes are made in the three fall, the three first quarters, I think that just because of the sheer amount of times that it happens, you almost kind of have to look at it from a different angle and be like, well... I mean, what can you throw at this team that it can't overcome? And the answer is you have to blow them out or control the game from the first quarter. Yeah. That's the only way the team has been beaten. It's either just controlled from the first quarter, like you saw with the Eagles and the Lions, where they jump out to an early lead and manage to just keep the Vikings at bay, not give them that momentum to win in the second half or just completely blow them out like the Cowboys did. If you're throwing anything less than that at them, they're going to find a way to win these games. Yeah. I will say this. It's, it's a 
pro and a con that they're in these type of games is preparing them for the playoffs because every game is going to be a close game, usually in the playoffs. Yeah. And they're showing that they can win those close games. But the mistakes that they sometimes make, they cannot have that happen in the playoffs. Yeah. Not a team will like in the playoffs will take advantage of those miscues. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of, it's like, you want to criticism, criticize them a little bit, but at the same time, they're showing that they can bounce back and and play past those miscues. Yeah, I mean, the the Vikings, obviously, I think, are a top-five talented team. I think they've been there for a good reason, but along with the Cowboys, who we have at number six, along with the Dolphins and the Ravens, they're, they're, those were those few teams that I just didn't trust all the way. And they give me reasons not to trust them, but then they give me reasons on why they should be contenders. So I think the Vikings are in a good spot, but I would agree that they're doing the right things that at the end of the day, they're finding ways to win regardless of how or against who. And that's very important. As I mentioned, the Cowboys are sitting there at number six. This would still be a top five team, in my opinion, if they beat the Jaguars, but because they didn't beat the Jaguars, we they fall to number six. They have a big matchup against the Eagles, which again, that loss of the Jaguars affects it even more because had they won and then played the Eagles and possibly won, then maybe we're talking about them maybe fighting for a one seed or or the division. But same thing, a team I don't really trust, a team that sometimes shows me some good stuff and sometimes they show me some bad stuff. Coming in at number five is the Bengals, and these top five teams are teams that I feel like I've confidently been saying, like, okay, these are the teams I trust. But the Bengals, obviously, uh, do they lead your division now, Blake? Or are they? Yeah, technically, they lead our division by but game. They have that crucial matchup against you guys at the end of the year, yeah. so that's definitely going to come out big. But obviously, Joe Burrow is. To me, he's he's an elite quarterback at this point. I, Joe Burrow has just been playing lights out. Cincinnati, had they had that slow start, but since then, they've figured it out. The 49ers, we have them at four, but like when we watch them play, I almost want to put them at one or two sometimes because they're just mm -hmm. so damn good. That defense, Brad Warner, Dre Greenlaw, it's just scary trying to go up against a defense like that. And they're just winning convincingly with Brock Purdy. But we have them sitting there. I will say, uh -huh. They have one of my favorite safeties right now, Hafunga. He's probably my favorite safety to watch in Dude, the league he's, right now. He's, he's so good. And I felt like he came out of nowhere. Yeah, 100% out of nowhere. And he's just flying all over the field. I love it. Yeah, I don't remember hearing him, hearing about him very much last season, maybe a little bit, but... Yeah, this season he just fucking he took off and I mean he has one of the best names in the NFL right now and he's just so fun to watch. And number three, the Chiefs, obviously behind the greatest quarterback in the NFL right now. I I, I can confidently say that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are just fun to watch. Uh, the Bills. At number two, Josh Allen. They're obviously starting to pick it back up. Still, maybe not where they where some of us expect them to be. But I think they're the one seed, and you don't want to play the Bills in Buffalo. That's just something you don't want to do. And finally, rounding out our power rankings at number one still is the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Obviously, the Jalen Hurts injury could have somewhat of an impact. I'm interested to see if he doesn't play and they lose, how we impact the team. Because I'm sure if he was healthy, he would we would keep the Eagles at one. But that Even matchup that, against the Cowboys is gonna is gonna be is gonna be interesting. It's gonna be fun, healthy or not. Cowboys win. We all know we're gonna hear Pete next week saying that they're the number one. <laughs> it's just gonna be. It's gonna be so annoying to hear, but we'll see. Yeah. No. I mean, it, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I I don't want to hear Pete because we we know Pete hates the Eagles, but if they win, we're the number one team. Get the Eagles out of here. They're fake, but. Um, that being said, that pretty much wraps up, uh, the last segment here of episode nine. I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Uh, very excited. This weekend has a lot of good games. Uh, but other than that, that pretty much wraps up this episode. Blake, Tony, if there's anything you guys wanted to finish off other than. I got one last one for you guys. Who do you think is clinching a playoff spot next week? Uh, what what teams? Let's see. All right, so I'll show you what teams have clinched a playoff spot so far. Okay. The Eagles, the Chiefs. Uh-huh. I believe the 49ers clinched the division. Okay. The Vikings and the Cowboys. Those are all clinched? Mm-hmm. Um, give me, I do think the Ravens will end up, I think the Ravens will end up clinching. With the win, uh, you guys clinch, right? Was that? With the win, you guys clinch the playoffs? No, well, we do need help. It's win, and we also need uh, Dolphins to lose and the Jets to lose. So Jets are playing Lions, Dolphins are playing Bills. So. Okay, I can see that. I like that. The Dolphins are playing the Bills, didn't they just play? Let's see. Oh yeah, no, they did just play. Shoot, they did just play. Who are they playing? I still think that's a good possibility. I mean, the other one I could see is, uh, I mean, the Dolphins also possibly clinching. Dolphins are playing the Packers. Um, yeah, they they would need the Patriots to lose and the Jets to lose. Patriots are playing Bengals. Jets are playing the Jaguars. Mm. But I think mm. the easiest one is going to be the Bengals clinching. Yeah, I would say Bang- yeah. I could see Bengals and Ravens both clinching, honestly. Because I could see the Dolphins losing to the Packers. Actually, the game's in Miami, so... I think I think I think that the Dolphins will win that game and that might I don't think it would eliminate the Packers outright but they would need a shit ton of help to make it Packers in. need to win out basically but yeah no I'm with Blake I'll, I'll give me give me Bengals and Ravens I think the AFC North has a good week this week and I think they cement their place in the playoffs yeah I think that's a good pick We'll see who uh, who clinches next week. It should be fun. I'm looking forward to some uh, post or to some playoff football. Yeah, the, the picture is going <laughs> to to settle some of these debates. The, the picture is definitely going to be cleared up after this week, and I think 
we'll, we'll basically know everybody that's in outside of maybe the last, the seven or six seeds of both, but. I've been riding it since the beginning. Lions are making the playoffs. I've been riding it since the beginning, so. Who do they play? Who do they play next week? I have no idea. Uh, let's but... see. They play. No, no, they play the Panthers. They play oh, the yeah. Panthers. I mean, I think. Oh, Everybody man, wants man, the Lions to win, though. Ever since Hard Knocks, they've just been like the number one love team in America. Fuck the, the Lions. They, they go, they go with Pan- They go at Panthers, and then they're home against the Bears, and then they play the Packers. I'm calling it. Lions are making the playoffs. Yeah, yeah I mean, it'll it'll be fun to see. We we have an exciting slate of games this weekend. Um, but yeah, that pretty much wraps up this episode from me. Uh, Prime Sports Podcast. I'm Steve Marquez, co-host Tony Sutton, co-host Blake Elijah. Pete, we hope you get healthy. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.